On this episode of Playtime, I speak with Chef Frank Corral from Poydog Pondering about his new album, Food, and much, much more. That's all coming up on Playtime. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. With uh, with Leo Sayer, did he do that? You make me feel like dancing. Was that his he, track? He did, and one of the things that came out of that, and and he just sent me, uh, he's got an unpublished um, memoir, and he wanted me to look it over. But one of the things he said in that in that conversation, which uh, he 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 claims he's never said anywhere else, and I haven't been able to find it anywhere else, was that Jeff Percaro uh, w- also played on that uh, uh, on that song. Uh, Grammy winning song. revelations that came out of that was that was a mistake they were they were they were riffing off something that the two of them had heard coming into the studio that morning and just kind of playing with the sound and the vibe and the rhythm and jammed and the engineer happened to catch it and two weeks later he said all you need to do is is pull in some uh some background vocals add some horns and here and that's your single, and and that's how that's how that song came to wow. be. Wow! Yeah, it was. Uh, I was just was... I was just listening to it the other day on a drive, and I was like, "Wow, this song is so good!" You know, I hadn't heard it in a long time, and it was just uh-huh. it was you know really refreshing to hear it again. And you know, I'd forgotten all the places it went in, in, during the course of the song. You know, and and his new yeah. stuff is really good as well. He's 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 mm. sort of taken on this this greater, richer, more progressive sound uh, that is far and away very different from, from what he used to do. He talks about the Occupy movement and, and gets into the environment and, and even dabbles in a little bit of hip-hop and rap. Um, he So at 74 years old, this guy's still going strong, man. Anyway, I just love that story. The Hawaiian poi dog is an extinct breed descended from Polynesian dogs, a spiritual protector for indigenous Hawaiians. Today, the term poi dog affectionately refers to mutts or mixed breed dogs with specific characteristics, including the ability to eat anything, a strong will, and a unique appearance composed of different breeds. We'll get into that more in just a bit. 
in the early 1990s, a friend of uh, a friend of mine told me uh, that there was a brand new band playing down the street at Lounge Jacks on Lincoln Avenue named Poidog Pondering. A group of us from Renali's restaurant walked the six or so blocks uh, after our shift, not once, but on numerous occasions. The band is a must experience because their shows are much more than mere music. They are truly an exuberant experience. I was already well acquainted with the band, having produced one of my all-time favorite albums and one of my top 10 favorite songs ever, Pulling Touch, the sumptuous, visually powerful love song in, w- in which Frank Arrall's vocals seemed to drift out of the music. That was off their first self-titled album, beginning a long and auspicious musical journey, culminating to date with Poydog Pondering's deeply introspective new album, Keep on Loving You, not only great music, but great food, uh, which we will talk about in a bit as well. The websites are poidogpondering.com and platetectonicmusic.com. The aforementioned Mr. Aral joins me. And I got to say, man, it is truly, truly a pleasure to have you here, bud. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Happy to, happy to be here. Thank you. I could do I could do a series of shows just on Poidog Pondering and you, uh, Frank alone. Uh, so for the next 16 hours, it's good. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I should mention that uh, there, there are two significant dates in your future. Uh, the first is uh, at Evanston at Space, which is coming up um, next Saturday, May 20th. And you're going to be doing a solo set, right? Yes. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm joined with uh, my uh uh, Paul Mertens, who's uh, you know also yeah. in Poy Dog Pondering, he plays yeah. flute, clarinet, and sax. And Joe Sonnefeld, who also has done quite a bit of recording with Poy Dog, he plays vibes and marimba and steel drum. And uh, with wow. Sofia De Leon Sanchez, who's a wonderful singer and amazing flamenco dancer and and musician. So it's a nice little wow. quartet, you know, that we have. That we're doing a, a wide breadth of material, like you know, some Poy Dog stuff. Um, some I have some other musical aliases like Eight Fat Fed Eight and um, uh-huh. Palm Fabric Orchestra and Morning Dance. So do some yeah. of those songs as well. Okay, yeah, Thievery Corp. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and then also Aurora, which uh, I mentioned before we uh, we began here. A friend of mine is going to go see you guys, uh, Caroline Prezan and her husband, uh, and that's August twenty uh, sixth, the Saturday, and that's an outdoor yeah. uh, an yeah, outdoor event. Be- outdoor show and that'll be the the, the big expanded orchestra <laughs> this, this the the 15 17 person team uh, <laughs> uh have by the by the way have you, have you been to space or have you played at space before yes i've i've done a few uh solo shows and a few poi dog shows there we love that room okay oh it's a beautiful beautiful room it's a beautiful space yeah. uh and and great sound and there's always great music going on there uh, we should mention this as well, uh, the Point of Pondering Private uh, Concert Series, right? Um, yes. Yeah, we've been uh, doing some, uh, yeah, playing, doing anything from like living room sets to backyard rock and roll parties, you know, so that's, been, that's been really fun. Yeah, That's got to be a blast. We're going down to, uh, yeah, we're going down to uh, Nashville um, in June and we're going to play uh, a house party there. And then we're also going to play at 3rd and Lindsay. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. I'd love to talk about your journey a, a, a bit uh, with Poidog Pondering uh, and then the new album. And then let's get into some some food, man. Uh, Chef Frank, we, we got to talk okay. food and music. So so we'll do that. Um, did you grow up in Hawaii? 
Yes, I did. Um, my father was an astronomer and and his work took him out there. And so so yeah. we, we I grew up there. Yes. Uh -huh. Nice. That's very nice. Still still kind of considered my home. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and you didn't, uh, think to follow your dad into astronomy. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was, the was the guitar player and, and the cook. And so I, I kind of followed more nurse shoes. <laughs> nice. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Yeah. But where, where did you learn to cook by the way? Um, I think, um, uh, really just by, you know, cooking for the band and cooking for friends, you know, I mean, in the early days we were buskers. We, we just played on the street for spare change and, yep. and we traveled across North America for, for a year doing that, yeah. and, like making like $17 a day. And so we were like <laughs> learning fast how to feed ourselves for $17 <laughs> a day, you know? So I think my cooking started there really. And then, and then later I, I just, I love to eat and um, we've lived through the most interesting last 20 years where so many chef driven restaurants have popped up and people doing really interesting stuff with food. So yeah. when I go out, I just like, wow, how did they do that? And I go home and try to try to make it. That's uh, that's what my, we, we live very close to um, taste of Peru here in, uh, in Rogers park and we'll sample something on Caesar's menu, come back home and tear it apart uh, and, and try yeah. to figure out how to, how to make it. So we can, we can just gorge ourselves uh, at uh, at our leisure um, for kind of <laughs> pennies on the dollar, but eh, experimenting is fun. So you, you you said you began playing on the street in Waikiki, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, um, I sort of came up in the punk post punk scene there in Hawaii, uh, playing yeah. drums in in um, in bands there. And then when I started writing songs, um, I moved over to the acoustic guitar, and then. I just moved uh, moved out of the clubs and kind of really just you know, playing on the street kind of for fun. You know, we were really into the the Pogues and uh, mm -hmm. Manu Negra and, you know, the, the bands like that. And um, and then so we sort of got we sort of enjoyed, you know, uh, the, the acoustic playing. Yeah. And and then slowly as I began to write more and, you know, I used to make these little home cassette albums on four and eight track. And yeah make a cover for them, sell them on consignment in the stores. And those were the first poetry albums, you know, we did five of those before we, before I got signed to Texas hotel. And, and and that that song yeah. has is really special special significance for me. First of all, um, when I when I was traveling, uh, I, I went as a witness uh, to the former Yugoslavia and ended up in in during in the siege of Sarajevo, uh, where I met my wow. wife. Um, okay, and so I had to carry everything by backpack, uh, and mm -hmm. with you know a, a, a thirty a, a thirty mile. 
uh, trudge through through the worst of the war and over a mountain and through a battle. Um, so so wow. weight was was really a consideration. I took three cassettes with me on on one of those trips, and one of those was your first album. That's how important mm. it was to me. Um, wow, that's beautiful. So so I, I wanted to ask you because there, there's a couple of iterations, earlier iterations of, of Pulling Touch that you recorded. Was it about that song that that you just you had you had to fully realize? Um, I well the the I think the the very first version um, was on on the cassette. I think it's um, I forget which cassette it is now. I think it's cassette PDP number four. Yeah, I think um, so. But uh, yeah, and that. Um, uh, was recorded like you know just with a four track i think in new mexico you know i had written it in hawaii um that i written the song in hawaii and then but we we finally recorded it in a hotel bathroom in new mexico <laughs> and um, <laughs> and we we met this cello player in las cruces and he played the you know da, 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 you know in the, the rise in the chorus leading up to the chorus and um we met him on the street and then and he came to this hotel and track for us but um you know and, and then uh, I recorded all these cassette albums, but then when I got signed to Sony, I mean to um, Texas Hotel, um, we, we, you know, um, we just went in. We could rec we could record in much better fashion. You know, we recorded right. this twenty four track tape, and mm -hmm. um, in Austin at Willie Nelson's studio, and, and so we we so I wanted to retrack it again so we could get a really nice. And that's the definitive version, I think. You know, for me, you know, and we have done yeah. a live version of it later, but I feel like the the one on that first record is the definitive version. Yeah. Yeah. A, a number of songs on that first album um, show up in earlier EPs. Sound of Water uh, yeah. uh, comes yeah. comes to mind right off the hand. And I, I think, and, and you can you can correct me if, if you think I'm wrong here, I think that and Pulling Touch are are sort of the 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 bridge to the from the original sound to the new record, right? Yes. I mean, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I I always feel like like pulling touch has the DNA of what Poi Dog is to me. You know, it has yeah, yeah. it has it's a song that has the DNA. It's like sort of a you know, so I always put it in the set. And um, with the new record, there was you know I worked very closely with guitarist Ted Cho, who's been with we've been together since Hawaii since Hawaii yeah. days, street days. But so we have a very fast rapport with each other. We can we can communicate ideas very fast. You know, almost just mm -hmm. like the nod and stuff like that. <laughs> 
but um and i you know definitely uh you know some of these songs like do it your own way um certain things um i i never quite know when whenever we're making a record it's just everything's in the moment you know and yeah. um, so i i'm not sure how to draw a line from pulling touch to the new record but um it's it's made very intimately the way the first record was made i mean like uh, yeah. some records yeah. like seven we went into a studio and tracked it in a in a proper studio you know in Volo yeah, Volo, yeah. we tracked it in a, in a proper studio most every other album was recorded either in like a project studio or in a rented mm-hmm, basketball mm-hmm. gym or we you know we we fitted out a basement and we moved in there and we recorded the record we recorded in all sorts of different ways and this one was recorded in Ted's uh, home, you know, a lot of it. He has a loft apartment and we were, we tracked a lot of it there. And wow. so I think it was kind of tracked intimately like the first record was. Being being very well acquainted with, with your, your full discography, your career as a songwriter feels like one long love song. Uh, these And these, these sort of very intimate, very visually oriented songs like like pulling touch or uh meet me in the forest off the new album is is a is a wonderful case in point Mm -hmm. meet me in the forest take off all your clothes let me lie with you a while meet me in the forest Take off all your clothes Let me lie with you a while Asunder and the starlight falls. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's I mean, all inter- that sort of intimate communication, you know, with somebody that means a lot to you is, is uh, yeah, I always, I always write from, from first person, you know, I, yeah. mean, I, I, I never, I never make up a song, there's no like made up. You know, scenario. It's all it's mm-hmm. all from actual experience. Mm-hmm. And the only the only difference would be sometimes I might write um, in stream of consciousness uh, uh, long prose rambles like a Jack S. Ginger, you know, something like that. That's a, like a prose stream of consciousness. You know, uh-huh. you know? Don't go mad, don't go mad Breathe deep with 
Um, but then there's always, you know, songwriting is, is, is very personal for me and, and you know, and, and interpersonal communication, you know, is very important to me. So that always winds up in my songs for sure. Yeah. I was I was sort of taken by this uh, that you decided that as a band that you wanted to travel and travel in the mainland without a plan. Mm -hmm. uh, you right. just picked up and went. Yeah. Could you do that now? I mean that that's that's incredibly romantic. But but yeah. could you do that now? Um, I could, and um, yeah. you know, I've thought about it in Europe. You know, well, you kind of do. You know. Well, you, yeah. you 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 kind of do with the uh, with the backyard concerts and the Chef Frank, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I you know, uh, during I lived in Chicago for twenty seven years, something like that, and and um, yeah. and then during COVID, you know, I like, had to sell my place. There's no way I was going to be able to hold on to my apartment, and I ended up selling a lot of stuff and moved out to Sonoma, where a friend offered me to stay in her house and so I could just mm -hmm. work on the land. You know, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good with tools and things like that. So I was like, yeah. And I actually kind of got, you know, before that I was feeling very weighed down. I mean, I was, I was kind of going like, wow, I have to, I have to pay this mortgage. I have to do this. I have to, you know, I was feeling, and then yeah. when that kind of cut me free to where now I, I can actually, I'm kind of, I can I lighten my feet right now. I can move yeah. around a little bit. And so, so, the answer is yes. I mean, I could do it. And, you know, I kind of do it with the chef thing, um, you know, mm -hmm. where I, I, you know, do the chef rank thing where I travel around and cook for people. Um, it's not the same as before when we just got in a car and we didn't know where we were going. We just picked <laughs> a spot on the map and kept going. This is, you know, I'm still, I make an arrangement with somebody and, and I go and I go and cook for them there, you know, uh -huh. but, uh, I, I don't I, I don't know that I'll ever do it the same way because we did it hard <laughs> I and mean, we slept outdoors and stuff. I don't think I'll do that one again. <laughs> So you landed in San Francisco and met the the owner of a uh, of a record store uh, who would become a really fateful meeting for for you and the band, right? It's a really remarkable story. I mean, uh, yeah, it I, is. I, you know, when I was a kid, when I, when I was like fourteen, one of my best friends who lived up the street, he had an older brother, and they had they had a friend visiting from the mainland. And uh, he was staying in, in, he had his own room in their house. And I mm -hmm. went inside that, we, we, me and my friend would sneak inside his room when he was gone. And he had, because he had all the best rock posters. I mean, just incredible stuff. <laughs> you know? And he had a huge record collection. We'd, we'd play his records. And, and um, so anyways, that's it. You know, I grew, uh, then I grew up and then 10, 15 years later, I start making home cassettes mm -hmm. and selling them on consignment. And I, I was in Los Angeles visiting my brother and I went into this well-known record store there, Melrose Records, um, and very indie record store. And I and mm -hmm. I asked them if they would sell it on consignment. And the guy the guy bought bought three, you know. And then um, and then when I came back in to drop off some more, he said, "Hey, I looked on the thing, and you know, I like the I like the I like your cassette." And I looked on it from Hawaii because I used to live in Hawaii. I said, like, "Oh yeah, really? Yeah, what island? Oahu? Oh, what neighborhood? Oh, oh, Hawaii Kai? Me too. What street? Makaweli?" I was like. I grew up in Makueli Street, wow. you know? and and then and then and then where, where were you, Makueli Place? I'm like, are you the guy with the rock posters? And that's <laughs> that that guy was the guy who's we snuck in his house, you know, no kidding, and, and watched it, looked at his rock posters. That's that guy, and he was working in the store. He was buying the point on cassettes, uh -huh. and then um, later later on, he he and his uh, partner opened up a uh, records a, a record store, and then they became a record label. Right, and they had right. like Henry Rollins and Vic Chestnut and stuff like that on it, 
And um, they asked me if I if 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 if, if they asked me to sign a contract with them. So that's how uh-huh. that happens. Very, yeah, I mean, very fateful. You know, I mean, un- unbelievable to me that that the way that worked out. You know. Yeah, you you guys sort of bonded uh, over over this great Scottish band, uh, Orange Juice, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, uh, that was so. so now I, I was one of those. I was one of those guys uh, with that huge record con- collection. Yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. You know, now, now I'm friends with this guy. I'm selling the cassettes, and the, and, the, and I walk in one day, and I go, and I and I and I want. I'm. I really love Orange Juice, the Scottish yeah. pop band um, yeah. uh, from the '80s, and um, so they had they had a new single out uh, uh, called "The Bridge," and I was like, so I was like, you know, I, I I picked up a copy of "The Bridge" and Rolling Stones' "Undercover of the Night." There was a 12 inch uh, remix of it. I bought uh-huh. that, uh-huh. and I brought him up to the counter, and he says. I'll sell you these, but I'm not going to put them in the same bag <laughs> because he was like <laughs> such an orange juice fan that he didn't want the Rolling Stones records to touch it. <laughs> wow. Wow. But you, you guys sort of, uh, I'm going to go, go out on, on a limb here a little bit. You, you guys sort of have a little bit of their guitar sound. I mean, uh, he yeah, he influenced me a lot. I mean, there's you know certain writers uh, that influenced me a lot right out of the bag. Lou Reed, of course, one, and then um, yeah. and Edwin Collins from Orange Juice. I I loved, um, you know, I, I I loved he, you know, he would use consequently in a, in a in a lyric. You know, he like it and consequently, you know, it's really <laughs> unusual, you know, beautiful um, Bauer. I had to look up half the words, you know, when I was reading his <laughs> lyrics. But then also the guitar sound is really. Uh, you know, I went out and bought the same guitar he plays, a Burns Baldwin, and I, and I oh, played no that. Kidding. That's 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 what I played. That's the guitar that I played the melody line on Pulling Touch was a Burns Baldwin that was totally copied his guitar wow. exactly. You know, wow, yeah. Wow. Uh, but you're also influenced by by international folk styles, and I, I'm I'm wondering who were some of those influences. I had um, some really good mentors in Hawaii who like would just feed me these cassettes of like music from all over the world I and mean, it's the first time mm-hmm. i heard like second line music from new orleans uh, the first time i heard nigerian wow. guitar pop and uh, so so yeah. really uh, these cassettes this guy craig okino and and this other guy lloyd kandel they would give me cassettes and they were always like these global stews you know of all the stuff mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. uh, but uh, to uh, i some of that so in other words i can't call up all the names of the stuff but i mean one would be Prince Nico and Barga and Rockefeller Jazz. They're a, they're a band out of Nigeria. Uh, that was Nigeria, a big one right? for me. I, yeah, yeah. And then, um, of course, uh, you know all the all the dub reggae stuff that was having happening then. You know, uh, you know stuff like the Meters and Wild Chapatulas from New Orleans. Those those 
those those great funky drummers that were doing that stuff um i know those are some of the ones i think of at the moment that you know influenced us at the time yeah yeah there was also a band out of out of england called um penguin cafe orchestra that were they used all acoustic instruments and they were very organic but they moved like an orchestra like the, everything was you know it wasn't like songs yeah. they were more like or, uh, odd orchestrations and that was a big influence too through Austin on your way up the East Coast um, and then you returned to Austin in 1987 right yes what what was it about that place and I, I've been to Austin many many times um, but what was it about that place uh, or or was it the people that that held you there <laughs> or uh, the the afford the affordability of of living yeah yeah, you know when we when we were doing our first road trip, um, we got to Austin like in December, and it was cold. You know, we were down in the south, but it was still cold. Yeah, and you know we had been doing a lot of sleeping outdoors on this road trip, so you know finally we, it was getting cold, and we thought let's let's just hang in Austin for a little while. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Austin had a great little music scene. It was super affordable to live. Um, almost everybody seemed like played in a band. You know, and yeah, and. Yeah. Um, there was all there's always a backyard party going on at somebody's house it was just a very gentle easy town and we yeah. were there for two months so we actually got to know a lot of people and got to know a lot of players mm -hmm. but we continued on with our trip you know we wanted to get to it you know wanted to make it to the east coast and we did we went on for another five months or so mm -hmm. and then um, by the time we got to new york um, we kind of dissolved you know everyone we'd been on the road for a year and everyone was tired a lot of people flew back to hawaii yeah. And um, and I stayed out there, and then I um, and that's and then I, I I ended up getting contacted by Texas Hotel, and they signed me, and uh -huh. then I so I I decided to go out to California, to record the demo, you know, to mm -hmm. do the for the for the label, mm -hmm. and I went to Davis, California, to a small project studio in Davis, and tracked it, but um, I was feeling like like I, I wanted there were some players in Austin that I wanted on the record, so. Me and the uh, me and my bass player Bruce, we flew down to Austin and filled out the band with people that we met there. Like so, while we were recording the record, it was you know it was really it was just me and Ted and Bruce really and Sean Coffey and Abra Moore. We are the ones you know, the Hawaii crew that were yeah. recording there. And then we would go out to bars and we saw Susan Bell's playing violin and Max playing trumpet, and we asked them to come in and play on the record. So that when that that violin that you hear on pulling touch is kind of like one of the first times we worked with Susan or the trumpet right. on, um, 
on um, uh, Postcard from a Dream. I think that was Max's first session with us. You know, mm-hmm. we hadn't even played a show together. I think, yeah. Wow. So um, Austin. So I mean, that's long ramble on that, but uh, it's um, Austin just proved to be this really um, place where you could. W- w- there were a lot of great musicians. It was super affordable to live. It, it was the musicians, really. It was the musicians that, that that drew us there and kept us there. Yeah. Then, then you got a big break uh, opening for Hetch Hetchy. Uh, this this mm-hmm. great Hugo Largo meets Public Image Limited uh, type band. Uh, uh, yeah. And and there were a lot of there were a lot of label people there that that caught up with you, right? Yes. Yeah. It was a big, there was a big buzz on that show because uh, Hetch Hetchy, Michael Stipe's sister was in Hetch Hetchy. And Michael Stipe is is best friends with that guy, Michael Meister, who signed me to Texas Hotel. So, you know, like, so Stipe was always wow. around in the early days. We, you know, mm-hmm. we were always seeing each other. And, and um, so there was a lot of big buzz on that show because of Hetch Hetchy. Uh-huh. And then so... Um, and then and then so we were there opening up and we're you know, they were on the same label you know uh, texas yeah. hotel so then we just got to play for those guys and, and 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 all those people happened to be there and that's where the buzz started for us for sure yeah this story about you guys uh that uh you were you were kind of courting all the different labels uh who were in turn courting you uh and and it came down to who you would sign with was was the label that was the uh, was the label that that bought you the best dinner right yeah that's kind of, <laughs> yeah that's it's kind of a joke you know because uh-huh. in those days uh, we we really did i mean we had six majors you know um that, that that were wanted to sign us and and then we you know we're, we're going they were taking us out to dinner which yeah, is like yeah how how you how you get to know each other and they talk and then they give you the pitch you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. so it became a joke that like whoever takes us out to the best dinner we signed with them but it was only a joke <laughs> we were really honestly we we were able because there were six labels after us we were, it were, we were able to just get the most creative control things in our contract. You know, like I had a great contract with Sony. I mean, like, yeah. you know I mean? Like I got, they didn't, they didn't, you know, some, most people were, were trying to ask for publishing. We refused to give up publishing. You know, we had, I, I built in the, the, the right to make a uh, children's record and a, um, an instrumental record, all these things, yeah. you, know, I, you know, I said, yeah. I want to do this. I want to do this. And we want to make our own videos and, and they let us. So we, we signed with Sony. Yeah. I, so I, I had a conversation a couple of years back with uh, Denny Lane from Paul McCartney and Wings. And we were talking about all of the drama 
that went into the recording of Band on the Run, Paul and Linda getting robbed on the street in Africa and taking refuge with Ginger Baker and how all of that came together. Um, I think your story, those those early days as a band hitting hitting the the mainland and traveling around in in that in that old that old truck and red uh red mustang right um yes 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 <laughs> and all of that and then that culminates in in you getting signed by sony man there's there's such a great story there bro yeah yeah no i mean it's uh it all happened so fast too i mean you know like yeah. we left hawaii in 87 and then um i'm sorry 86 rather um, yeah, and then I, yeah. I, I signed to Sony in '89. You know, it was very fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, oh, no. I, love I love that you said they took refuge with Ginger Baker. That's very funny because he's apparently a wild man. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, he, <laughs> the, he, the he, thought of them getting taking refuge with him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that to me to me that's a that's a sign of desperation. But you know, so I, I told yeah. Denny, I said, "Who's who's going to write that screenplay?" Because there's a hell of a story there, yeah. and I, I think you guys. You guys have have just as as grand a story with that, uh, you know, you. Yeah. W- with with that great that great payoff at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, it's you know we we there was this Frenchman that was traveling with us, a photographer, and yeah. he took pictures the whole way. And he, we've he's got great pictures, you know. So I yeah. I'm hoping he makes a book. He's talking about it one day. That would be nice, you know. Oh, fantastic! A um, but sorry, I interrupted you. You were going to no, ask about no. Abba. I was yeah. I was I was going to ask you. Uh, Abba Moore left the band shortly after you guys reached Austin to pursue a solo career. She returned for mm-hmm. this album. that initial separation and what was it like uh reuniting with with her on this record well yeah i mean abra and i are our brother and sister i mean she yeah. not literally but i mean our, the bond is yeah. is super tight with us i mean we with all those people that went on that first road trip when mm-hmm. we were like eating bread and coffee and <laughs> sleeping in sleeping bags and playing on the street. And we forged the bond is like there for life, you know? Oh yeah. God, and, yeah. Uh, um, and, yeah. And, uh, and so, and, and Abra and I both from Hawaii have that connection too. And, and, but when we did, when we finally washed up on the shores of Austin, she was, and she wanted to go do her own thing or her own solo thing and did beautifully yeah. when they got yeah, a nomination and, you know, yeah. and, but we, we have stayed, together working the whole time i mean she's you know she's she's on um she's on 
all of the records except for I think some of the early Chicago ones because she was okay. living in all, but she was she's been on we we pretty much collaborate every chance we get you know yeah and and, and it's, that... it's always wonderful always wonderful to see her and play with she has such a unique voice and I feel like she's like she's part of the DNA of what Koi Dog is to me yeah. like her voice in yeah, uh, yeah. songs like Falling and Pulling Touch I mean that's they're that's the sound of Koi to uh -huh. me. I mean, it's her her voice is very important to me. It's like, it's it's really it's it's part of the DNA of the sound for me. Yeah, I I love hearing that, and and I'm heartbroken in this way. Um, those are things that used to show up uh, on liner notes on albums, and we right. don't get that. We don't get that anymore. And and right. Uh, I, I love that you've done you've done some of that on uh, on your websites, but do do you miss record stores? I for sure miss record stores. I miss um, you know the, the thing the I miss record stores. Of course, I miss the um, you know I mean I I I discovered Orange Juice by accident. You know, in a record yeah. store, I just like I liked the cover and I bought it. Yep. You know, um, um, and then there's I also love when people you know recommend stuff you know like curation is always an important thing people who who can tell you you got to listen to this and here's why you know yeah. and then you go home and you listen to it and, and i and i love that and i also love the idea the whole feeling of buying a record and taking it home and yeah. whether it be a cd or cassette even but a record because the artwork is much more you know yeah um meaningful and then you and then you sit with the thing and it's be, you have this personal relationship with the music um yeah. that i don't feel now with the with digital uh streaming because i just feel like it becomes background like people just put it on and it just goes uh, and they, they they let the they let the bot pick the next song you know it goes on a journey or, or a playlist or something like this and and they're only listening to one or two songs off an album and the thing and there's there are things that are wonderful about it like i have you know like listen to some spotify will go off you know on a journey and then all of a sudden i'm hearing the song going, what is that you know yeah, so, yeah. so i'm getting turned on to if it's, it's kind of like when when fm when fm radio it had that thing where you you got mm -hmm. to you got turned on to things and then mm -hmm. and then when fm radio kind of died died um, then you had this, uh, like I don't know what you call it. There's the next, the next wave of like you know where you pay for a sub, you pay for subscription, like serious radio, yeah. those things. Where right, they, right, right. Where there, where there was, there was still a DJ and it was curated, mm -hmm. and that was yeah. you know there was that, that was kind of good. Um, so, anyways, I mean this, you know, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm of two minds because. I have been getting turned on to a lot of bands just by accident right now, you know, just by yeah, playlists yeah. going on, which has been great. Mm -hmm. um, but I do miss, um, I do miss what music meant to me when you take home a physical thing and, and you're physically involved with the music, you know, I, I, Absolutely. I, I still have, I have my turntable, I have my turntable up and I have my record collection. I love to, it means a lot to pull them off the shelf and put them on the player, you know? Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're, you're physically holding holding that and and if it's an album it's it's the size of artwork that you would hang on the wall you know yeah uh, but that that's how i found that's how i found you guys was on the strength of of the uh, was on the creativity of the cover um and then oh, cool. and then just sort of the um the unique nature and flavor and and as i said i had I had hundreds and hundreds of albums and, and cassettes in my, in my first studio apartment. 
Um, but it was it was the unique perspective that that those song titles had. I bought it sight unseen. There was a little uh, there was a little uh, independent place in out in Downers Grove uh, that I used to go to regularly and was always checking on on new releases. And they had literally pu- just pulled it out of the box. And I almost just snatched it out of the guy's hand and said, what is this? And, and I never looked back. It, it, it was, it, it was such a great, great album, a great first album. Uh, and, and you guys have just maintained that level of, of creativity and quality and, and musicianship. And I kind of always kept us a little bit on the edge of our seat with not knowing what quite to expect next from Boy Dog Pondering, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've always, uh, you know, like a, every record is always a, you know, there's, 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 uh, you know, new inspiration and, and, and there's no, there's no attempt to stay. I think the only thing that is our sound is the way we play and the way we put melodies yeah. together in chords, but we, yeah. we let all sorts of, instruments go through whether sometimes it might be electronic instruments sometimes it might be orchestral sometimes it might be stringed instruments and just and just use them you know to give the songs texture and and just that approach becomes our sound rather than a style of music you know so yeah i've been i've been to austin and on days like today where it's kind of a little cool and cloudy um chicago chicago is uh is winter um, almost year round. <laughs> uh, what brought you guys? What brought you guys to Chicago? And then, and yeah. then, what did Chicago do for your sound, man? Yeah, uh, you know, um, um, when we first, when we were doing our initial touring after we signed uh-huh. the Texas Hotel, and we were touring like heavy. We were getting in the van, like we would, we would, we would buy an old Econoline van, take all the seats out except for the driver and the shotgun seat and just lay uh-huh. mattresses down. Everybody uh-huh. would line up like, like sardines and we'd tow <laughs> a trailer with all our gear in it. And we, we went back and forth across the country, you know I mean? Like, you know, I don't know so many times. And, um, and we'd all, whenever we went through Austin, we always had a good time here. We were uh, uh, we, okay. like, we would go through, um, I, I, you know, I forget where we, we we just we just had nice shows here. I think we played for a Robert Longo art exhibit one time. That was really interesting. Mm. And then we played we played it at Joe's. Joe, what's the what's the thing that's across the street from Wrigley Field? That uh, Cubby Bear. Cubby Bear. We yeah. played we played the we played the Cubby Bear. And but that's back when Sue and Julia were working at the Cubby Bear, and okay. Sue and and we, and we we loved them. And then they left to go start Lounge Axe. And Lounge Axe, right. Them. And then, we, then whenever we would come through Chicago, we'd play at Lounge Axe because we loved them. Um, and then we got to open for uh, Throwing Muses at Metro. And we got to see that room and meet Joe mm-hmm. Shanahan. And we, like, we loved, loved that room. And then, and then Max and I just kind of looked at each other one day in Austin. We were like, you know, like, you know we felt like, like having a different experience going somewhere else. And we were like, yeah, let's go to Chicago.
you know, we, were, we had just done a whole bunch of touring, touring and, and some people were taking time off from the band to do other things. And so there's just, just doldrums a little bit. And Max and I decided to go spend that time up in Chicago. We started doing these one night. I, I wanted a big city experience. That's what I wanted. I came from Hawaii and, you know, I was living in Austin. I was like, I want to live in a big city, you know, and, and Chicago was just, was just nice to us, you know. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll spend about a year there. And Max and I came up here and, we, and I moved into Pilsen. I really liked it. And then I, yeah, I was just like, well, let's, let's rebuild the band up, you know, like, and so we, we were just, you know, Susan and Ted they and John, they all wanted to stay in Austin. And um, so Max and I just started, we met Paul Merchants and the flute player. We met Doug Julin and mm -hmm. the early days uh, and this percussionist, Lady Garcia. And the early days, that was the band, you know, like, uh, you know, and then um, early days of Chicago. And then we, slowly met you know rhythm bass players and drummers and and then yeah. and then we started we started working on pomegranate in you know all these songs are coming to me and um so we started demoing and then we met martin stebbing who was very important he's our sound engineer co-producer was english guy and he worked with the jazz butcher and different other bands like that and and um but uh, we had an instant rapport you know like we loved we loved each other and and love working with each other and so we started recording pomegranate with him and yeah, we were soldering great album, cables for the mics really really martin was soldering the cables that we used to wow. microphones. so we built that <laughs> from a record from the ground up and then during the course of that then and susan you know some of the, the poi dogs then moved back up here to you know okay. work on the record but ended up staying you know relocating but i you know that's really chicago uh, you know i think it's another one of those things where the people that we met here, you know, like Martin Stebbing and, you know, all the musicians that we met made it mm -hmm. wonderful. And, and then the people were nice to us, the people in the clubs and the people, and people like to come out to shows, you know, they're exuberant at the shows. They like to yeah. enjoy going out to hear music. And that was important. Um, and then for me, I, I, I was, I've, I've always been really into dance music since I was, you know, a teenager in the disco years and i loved uh, I, I loved disco you know and um so then when these when these evolutions were coming about like delight you know people taking disco and doing other things with it um, uh -huh. and, and the whole manchester whole manchester scene that you know, with like the happy mondays and the stone roses yeah. and those bands yeah. um out of manchester i got i was really into like a kind of kind of post-rave music and and uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then uh i moved to chicago and then there's this great the home of house music there's all this the south side there's this beautiful house community yeah. um and so i fell into that and that gave me a lot of inspiration you know and we've we, you know we've i think we've done a beautiful job of weaving together kind of like silly disco with the you know the disco strings and stuff like that with a little bit of electronic elements and mm -hmm. kind of forging our own sort of a groove based music you know for some of the stuff and so that's one of the chicago definitely influenced that yeah i want to get to the uh get get to the new album here in just a moment but i found this really really interesting because i, I, I i'm going to talk with martin barr from jeff Rotal on on thursday um and and i've asked him the same question i've asked it of visual artists and authors and writers and uh, and musicians so you, you wrote this. I was meeting once a week with Margaret Firestone, a Jungian analyst who, uh, who comes out of the music and theater world and was really helping me 
reach into the, into the subconscious, the lyrics, and bare bones for songs like Catacombs, Big Constellation, and Pomegranate started to appear. I'm dusting off the old ghosts now And they're giving me a run for my money I'm down here with the skulls and bones Down here in the catacombs Swimming through the blood of years Chipping away at this wall of tears With no muslin hands to hold me In the dark I'm left to find the light down here in the catacombs 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 That was really, I found that a very powerful statement because this is the question I always ask. Where does where does creativity come from, and where does creativity come from for for Frank Aral? Um, is it is, are you tapping into into a a river of universal consciousness? Is it is it coming from some place deep inside of you? Is it all around us? Is it a is it a mix of all those things? Where do you find or where do you think your creativity comes from? That's an excellent question. Um, I, uh, there's a, the feeling that I got and get by listening to a really beautiful song, you know, I'm, I'm taking apart the lyrics, you know, I'm listening yeah. to the lyrics, I'm listening, listening to the emotion. I, I, I used to lie on the floor with my headphones on, you know, listening to my records and just like get fully immersed in, in them, you yeah. know, and, yeah. um, and, and then, um, an emotional, is that all, it's, yeah. And then and then also for me, you know, when I when I was going to University of Hawaii, I was taking like short story and prose and you know, I was reading all these great, you know, poets and 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 writers and then there that also that the same thing of just getting that getting that beautiful sorry, my phone just went into low power mode, but that's a um you're getting that beautiful um thing where uh, you're just getting this inspiration with the, these phrases and you're being touched by what somebody's what they're writing about it. Yeah, you yeah. you have a revelation like, yeah, you know, that, 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 I mean, I don't know what that is, but that sort of light, you know, when, when you, when something really speaks to you and you just go, and I think that I've always wanted to be a part of that. You know, yeah. I've wanted to do that. Uh, I've wa I wanted to, I want to listen to it. I want to create, I want to communicate with people in that, using that sort mm -hmm. of language. It's kind of like, you know, what you know is what separates prose from just a written word is like that sort of little magic that puts in there where it's visual and where something happens and so my life's work has been like working like that looking for those little moments those phrases that those descriptions how you communicate something to somebody to where they feel it in that way and 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 it can be visually you know i can go to like i remember seeing stop making sense and seeing what they did what talking yeah. heads did with their presentation yeah to make it really effective. And then I look at, I look at that as all being the same thing. And it's, it's ultimately about communicating with other people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and hopefully, hopefully sending something that has this certain magic, you know, that, you know, to mm -hmm, set mm -hmm. out, out in the world. And, and, 
And because I know what it feels like to get it when I'm listening to somebody or seeing something or reading something. And I think that that's probably kind of like, I, I, that, you know, that's, I, I'm always wanting to play with that. And I, when, yeah. when I'm writing songs, I'm really, a lot of times in my head, I don't, I'm, it's almost like I'm writing to that person with the headphones on, on the floor, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I'm, that's, yeah. And by, by the way, that feeling, uh, and I had this conversation with a, with a great author. So I also do a podcast for the Chicago Writers Association. It comes from Latin dance and it's called Duende. It's this, it's this internal upwelling of emotion that, that just, and, 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 and I feel it when I, when I, when I hear music, like pulling touch where tears well, and, and I just mm -hmm. get this, this warmth of, uh, of, of emotion uh, that, that almost overcomes me. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Duende. I've heard that word, but I never knew what it meant. Yeah. yeah. That that's, that's where it comes from. Um, um, you go ahead. I, I I don't think I would create music if it wasn't for other people to listen to. You know what I mean? I mean, I I, yeah. I love I love playing songs. I, I learn, you know, I, I love just playing songs and coming up with stuff. But really, it's about communication with the, that, the know, feedback think, yeah, loop is so important. Yeah, yeah. And and storytelling. You're 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 a rich storyteller uh, in in through your music. And uh, I'm, I'm finishing up a book right now called The History of Light for the Artist, where I talk about the ascension of culture and what it means to our to our evolution, our social evolution, our physical evolution. Um, and we're, we're a storytelling culture. And and yeah. I think that uh, my my theory is that that language began rhythmically. So, so we, we spoke in, in these, in these very rhythmic patterns and we've kind of lost that over, over the millennia, but we, we spoke in the, in the, in these very rhythmic patterns, almost rhyming patterns. And there, there's a musicality to, there's a, a natural musicality to that. And, and so I, I think, I think music and, uh, and storytelling have always been one and the same. Yeah, and you, yeah, you yeah. can look at, uh, yeah, you can you can look at indigenous cultures, uh, who they're 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 weaving nets, these arduous tasks of weaving nets or 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 beating uh, uh beating mullet into into wheat or flour, and they're they're singing songs, these call and repeat songs, uh, to to help them get through the arduous nature of of that task. And it creates, it builds, yeah. it builds and creates community. Right, right. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful sea shanties and work songs. And indeed. Yeah, indeed. Amazing. So, your, your time is at premium here. I want to get, I want to get to, uh, to the new album. Um, and then, uh, and then I, I want to talk a little bit about food. Uh, but do it your I'm own way. I'm missing a feeling in my heart. Time for a time for a brand new start. A brand new I'm not afraid to start over I am a stranger to manual labor I feel alright
Sounds to me like a declaration on a new direction. Am I am I am I getting that sort of right? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, and um, uh, yes, absolutely. And you know, kind of like a you know, just sometimes when you when you when you have that feeling where you want to, you just want to like kind of mm-hmm. re re rethink things and do things and you know and and make make some adjustments and do things in a way that you want to do. Um, and I, you know, I think that's where the, and, and that, yeah. And it would not, it's not necessarily about a sonic shift, like in, in our, in our sound, but just a uh-huh. personal shift. Yeah. 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 Indeed. Uh, free and easy, uh, as, <clears throat> excuse me, has, has this gorgeous seventies retro undercurrent reminiscent of Henry Mancini or, or Burt Bacharach. Uh-huh, nice. Um, and then, Sweet taste in my mouth. The horns and strings diffuse from the foreground guitar for this great, easy listening counterpoint. Uh, and then there's this you do in this song, which just took my breath away. I, I, I found it so brilliant. I was contemplating life's atrocities. You put a sweet taste in my mouth. I don't know what I'd do without you, baby. I heard the crickets clicking in the distance. I watched the moon rise high I was thinking about you, baby that just speaks to to relationships and and community and and all of that i i i i just can't say enough about uh about that that song man uh thank you i i yeah that was it's an important song on the record in so many ways um uh i've really gotten into I spent about 15 years just listening to Brazilian music, you know, from the seventies, people like okay. Joao okay. Gilberto and Jorge Ben and Cayetano Veloso. And it uh-huh. kind of put the acoustic guitar back in my hands where I let go of the, I didn't, I got rid of the pick and I'm now I'm you know, playing more. And also the, oh, nice. the color, the color of the chords, cause they use all these, you know, sixes and sevens and diminished, like these, these uh, more jazz type chords. And so mm-hmm. um, that mixed with, um, you know, kind of, a, you know, I'm, 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 also what's happened since Pomegranate, when we were recording Pomegranate, we were really influenced by um, Nick Drake's Brighter Later. And yeah, we had this yeah. Robert Kirby, Robert Kirby, Kirby did those incredible orchestrations. So mm-hmm. Paul and I really, and Max got really got into that. And so when we were working on Pomegranate, we, we started, we worked with this parallax string quartet and brought, brought that in. And Paul, Paul's orchestration with the woodwinds and and, and and orchestration in general, Susan Bell's orchestration with the violin and the strings, mm-hmm. Max's with the um, 
um, with the horns, you know, and so all of a sudden we have this orchestration palette in our band yeah. and that's just grown. And then, so leading to this new record after listening to all these Brazilian masters, like Antonio Carlos Jobim, where mm-hmm. they, where he worked with Claus Ogerman, who's a great um, orchestrator. When I was writing these songs, I left big swaths open, open territory, like, you know, you know, that big middle section in the middle of, uh, um, um, free and easy and then yep. there's all those interludes in sweet taste in my mouth so that way they could you know they could rise out with the orchestration mm-hmm. and do their have, have a, a, a canvas to work on you know and they did just beautiful work on those songs on the whole record every you know orchestrations oh amazing but so that and and um those two songs were kind of the early songs that i wrote for the record really uh they were they were uh when i i had those i i i I knew that there was the record was coming, you know, like, yeah. you know, you know, you're kind of slowly working on song ideas and you get a couple in the bag and you go like, all right, the records, I, I see what's happening here. The records, <laughs> the records starting to emerge, you know? And I could go through every single song. It's damn near a perfect album. Um, you finish the album with this, this transcendent piece, keep on loving each other, uh, which at once becomes this endurant plea to exalt and overcome between people in a relationship, right? Uh, and a plea for humanity, on the other hand. It, it has it yeah. has that sort of, that, that beautiful crossover. I was distracted doing some casual research on a glass of wine at the dining room table when you reached over and put your sweet palm on my shoulder we gotta keep on loving each other we gotta keep on loving each other we gotta keep on loving each other I was riding my bike in my, in my neighborhood in uh, Hyde Park, and uh, and there was just somebody had done this written on the wall, you know, keep on loving each other. And it just really struck me as like a beautiful sentiment uh, to put out there into the world. And And then, you know, in these sort of divisive, times you know it felt like a felt like a nice title to you know to put to broadcast you know and um and then um and then cornell singer cornell came down from he lives up in racine and mm-hmm. he came down to stay with me to so we could work on songs and and one night we were just working on that one and he came up with the lyrics for the back half and then he brought his own you know like like i, I like that sometimes giving a phrase and then giving it to the band and see what they come up with. Like the song, if I were music, you know, I said, okay, um, the songs are, if I were music, what would I do? And then everyone, yeah. it was like kind of like the trigger. Then they, they, they wrote what they would do and we all sang it. And with this one too, with Cornell's like, I got this, you know, this phrase, keep on loving each other. And then, you know, he came up with that beautiful back half there. Um, but yeah, so I thought, you know, lovely way to close a record. Uh, it was it, it was an incredible and and it's such a such a great record. I, I just I, I want to mention here quickly, uh, and if we could spend a moment on on some food here uh, that was uh, making my mouth water in a big big way. My wife and I were looking at it as well. 
Point on pondering holds the uh, holds the concert uh, attendance record at Ravinia, right up o over here in yep. uh, in Highland Park. Yeah. Wow. Uh -huh. Wow. Yep. Um, and we're gonna have that one for life because they 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 put they they capped their uh, capacity after that. So we. Oh so no, we, kidding! Nobody can nobody can break our record. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're they're great up there, and I love those guys. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, me very quickly, meet me in uh, meet me in the forest. Uh, this great echo on the guitar that makes it feel like a memory or a fantasy. Um, I, I'd love I'd love a couple of thoughts on on that that song. I wanna be there with you when your thunder I got a new guitar pedal uh -huh. called Avalanche. Dog turned me onto it. And then um, it has this beautiful um, uh, re uh, reverb and it has a beautiful um, delay. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, so I was just working that pedal and then finally I got the sound. It was just like, bam, jam, jam. <laughs> and I was like, and, and when I, and it was so atmospheric and it puts me in the feeling of, um, uh, this mortal coil, or, or yeah, or, yeah, um, uh, um, uh, how you say, um, uh, who's it, uh, Cocteau Twins, and right, that sort of right. that sort of 80s, 80s astral, you know, sound, yeah, and, yeah. Um, so, uh, then, or the notes um, sort of trip you know, over sort of each got, other, yeah, and then, uh, you know, the sound started coming, and, and it felt like it wanted to be really sparse, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it just adds to the the feeling of the, you know, the lyrics, of, you know, meet me in the forest, take off all your clothes. Like, it just, like, I feel like it sounds like, it sounds like you're in the forest with that, all that, you know, thing. So, you know, and the, so, yeah, the song just opened up really around the sound. It, it, it built an atmosphere, and the song almost wrote itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great great song. All right, uh, Chef Frank, um, the music and dinner party. I love dinner parties. You write, uh, I love what happens when friends and family come together over food and drink, standing in a kitchen, chopping, talking, sipping wine, preparing, serving. Guitars come out of their cases, and the songs drifting into the night air. Uh, a satisfied belly, a dream pondered, and a song in the heart. Um, do you do you pick out the wine as well? I don't. Uh, I okay. did early on. Uh, I I did early on, uh -huh. um, and then I I stopped just because I I didn't know if it, I didn't know the legality of it, like me bringing okay. wine to somebody's right. house. You know. Uh, then I'm 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 then I'm becoming. Should, like a, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. should, should you host a bar, <laughs> mitf uh, bar mitzvah? 
Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, 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 you know, I, and then I also realized that people really, that's one thing that people love to bring to a dinner. You know, when they go to a dinner party, they yep. love to bring a bottle of wine and it's yep. something that they can share with everybody. Like taste this wine. Mm -hmm. I, I just found and, that I love it. Chef. You know? And so, so it's a nice thing to, you know, to do, to leave that for people to do. And, um, and then I can just focus on the food too, but I, I would like to get into pairing. I, I don't know much about pairing. You know, I enjoy it when I, when somebody does it for me and I get to yeah. experience it with someone has that knowledge. I yeah. don't know wine well enough to, to pair it with the food yet. I have my own personal things that I love mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. drink, but I wouldn't know how to pair it. So I don't, I just, so I just focus on the food now. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, you, you shop for the groceries. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 And um, um, yeah, I do. I, I usually, uh, I, I get, I find out from the people if they have any dietary restrictions or any, any preferences, like they might, they might feel like, you know, something uh usually they just give me their dietary restrictions whatever they are mm -hmm. and um and i so that let, lets me know like what kind of zone i go in like whether i'm working with fish or chicken or beef yeah. pork lamb or whatever or vegetables or, you know i just work and then and then i decide i, do, I don't decide until the day of because okay. weather plays a big factor like you know a cool day in here in chicago it changes the way i you know i, I, yeah, I I'm yeah. cook you know yeah um, and I go to the store and see what looks good. And, and I, I get to know stores. You know, I have mm -hmm. it good in Sonoma because I have a, a farmer that I buy directly from. Mm -hmm. And this farmer grows, grows for chefs. So it's all like microgreens and very interesting stuff. And then right, I have a couple right. of purvey purveyors uh, that, that, you know, where I can go for like butcher items and things like that. Right. Um, right. But uh, I also, then also sometimes I'll just go to like, you know, like the Whole Foods or Mariano's and just mm -hmm. walk around the store. I walk out, you know, through the whole store, see what's looking good, you know, get, get your, inspiration. You're you're doing the you're doing the chef thing where uh where you're you're finding out about if there's any allergies, if there's a there's a vegetarian or or maybe maybe a kosher concern. Uh but then but then you're at you're you're building the menu from that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That gives me the, the sort of the parameters to, to work within. The weather plays a part. Mm -hmm. Also, um, yeah, and so and then and then also what I've eaten recently that's really turned me on. You know, like a, so you know I, yeah. when I when I moved out to when I was living in Chicago, I was in a second floor in an apartment. I couldn't grill, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and now where I'm in Sonoma, I can grill. So I've been grilling with wood like crazy, like every oh. night, just learning yeah. how to work with with wood wood smoke and and get the get. And so all my chef nights lately have had an element of, of, of wood, you know, like wood smoke uh, to it because I'm enjoying working with that. And, mm -hmm. you know, for, I went through a period where I was really loving French food. So I, I went, I was cooking a lot there and then Mediterranean and then Vietnamese. Beef bourguignon you make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. yeah. Which is, which yeah. is, is, is time consuming and, and a bit complicated. Um Right. Do do yeah. you do you uh, are there are there any expectations or gear uh, or or cooking supplies that that you have to bring uh, as, as part of as part of your your repertoire uh, or do you find that people have mostly what's necessary to to cook some of those dishes. Yeah, they they have they have mostly what's necessary to cook, but I do okay. bring okay. 
I do bring my tools with me and my, and my, my, then they're, they're, you know, I, 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 I bring my own knives. Um, I can use anybody's knives, but I, lo- I love to use my knives. So I yeah. bring my knives. Um, yeah. I bring a zester. A zester is one of the things that not everybody has, but super important yep. to me because I love getting yep. the, the lemon zest on the food. Um, a peeler. Everybody has a peeler, but I bring one just because it's an essential. Mm-hmm, and, um, mm-hmm. um, um, I'm trying. To, I, I also bring a mandolin, you know, so I can do fine chop yep. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I bring a huge salad bowl because I hate trying to mix a salad in a small bowl. <laughs> you know, so I bring a big, big salad. It yes, just sir. gives me room to work. Um, um, those are kind of my my super important uh, uh-huh. ones. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a lot, but I. I, I like to know those. Are, oh, those are there. And you'll go most anywhere in. That... Yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say you'll you'll go most anywhere in in North America and Europe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know the, the Europe one's kind of a lark. It's just because I'm going I'm going out on tour with Thievery Corporation. They're gonna we're gonna be in Hungary, and so I was like, oh, I'm gonna All advertise right. Europe and see if something comes in. I got a, one 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 from Croatia came in, so I think I'll be cooking in Croatia. Nice, <laughs> nice. I've got I've got family yeah. in Croatia, and I spent a lot of time in in Hungary. Uh, Budapest mm. is uh, is it's a great uh, great yeah, city. beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is what a wonderful city. Um, so I, I should let people know this, uh, cheffrank.com, uh, or you can email cheffrank at info at plate tech, uh, tectonic music.com. And I'll post those, uh, in the links below for, for anybody who, uh, uh, who, who's interested in that. Your cooking style is Moroccan, Spain, Italy, Greece, Middle Eastern, Mexico, Brazil, Japanese, Hawaii, uh, Vietnam, which uh, you know, I I used to used to work logistics, and and Vietnam was one of my uh, was one of my countries. Um, that's mm. uh, that that's that's tough cuisine, but that that's that's yeah. a hell of a that's a hell of a palate, man. Yeah, I I, I uh, the, the, um yeah, you know this. Uh, yeah, I just I, I love Vietnamese food. I love Japanese yeah. food. I lived with a Japanese woman for a long time and learned a lot from her about mm-hmm. cooking Japanese food. And, and then, of course, that whole Mediterranean breadbasket from Morocco, Spain to Italy, France, and down to Greece. And, you know, it's just an incredible, you know, and, yeah, there's so much there's so much food there. Yeah, you've, you've got North African roast chicken and vegetables, braised lamb mm-hmm. and vegetables, oxtail soup, Pacific style and oxtail stew uh spicy caribbean style what's what's the difference between pacific and caribbean yeah in hawaii we it's much more of a um a asian base so they'll 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 they won't braise the oxtail they'll put the oxtail in mm-hmm. uh, they make mm-hmm. it kind of almost like a clear broth with like uh chinese a little bit of chinese fire spice a little star anise um scallion uh, yeah, garlic, yeah. Know, and then and then it's kind of a clear broth served with ginger and cilantro. That's pretty classic Hawaii, um, Asia Pacific Rim influenced uh, way yep. to do it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my old girlfriend, her mom was from Jamaica, and she would cook. That's where I first had that style oxtail. And I would every time she cook it, I just stay inside the kitchen, you know, and and watch her cook. And um, that one is a. Uh, it's more like kind of a beef bourguignon style in that mm-hmm, you, know, you, mm-hmm. you brown brown the oxtails, cook it in in um, in 
broth with vegetables, carrots and, you know, things like that, you know, there. And then and then it becomes like a, a, a stew. Um, and then uh, and then there's then there's a Spanish, uh, which I also really like, which is, you know, that's more like the beef bourguignon. I mean, you cook it like with wine. Yeah, and you yeah. Reduce it down, then you shred it into like a, a ragu. You know, uh huh. So uh-huh. I lo- I love them all. I I really love oxtail because it's, you know, it's it's got the collagen. It's got the it's got it's got some fat. It's got a it's yeah, just a luscious yeah. luscious meat. Like it's my favorite beef uh, by far. You know, it's my favorite. Yeah. Any any Chef Frank cookbooks on the uh, on the horizon? Yeah, I I I think I will put one together and i'm just i'm waiting for the moment where i get the key where i understand what because you know there's so many cookbooks out there what am i going to add sure. to the can and i'm i'm not a trained chef i'm a self or I'm, i mean i'm a self uh, you know like I mean, i've just learned not in not in school uh, but i've you know been learning by paying attention to other people mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i'm not going to bring anything new to the table technique wise and so i'm just the one thing i, I might be is like a curation of dishes and i think the one made you know i'm trying to think what i can add to the canon of books out there you know yeah, I, I yeah. Think maybe the one thing that i could that i could add is an approach to cooking to make people who don't cook unafraid of cooking because so many people tell me yeah. oh i burn water you know i can't cook to save my <laughs> life and um and um and i feel like uh there there are there are ways to look at food and cook food like okay. one thing that really fascinated me, there was a guy, uh, Fernand Point, out of France, maybe in the 30s, and um, he was a super bon vivant. Like he used to drink like two magnums of champagne a day, and you know, like, wow. uh, and and uh, and uh, and he had this restaurant called La Pyramide, and he was famous for like the beginning of new French cuisine. You know, like mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. what would become new, uh, nouveau. But uh, he was he was way way ahead, and um, and he had this cookbook where. Uh, uh, all it did was just list the ing- the, the ingredients, you know, a duck, you know, a, a carrot, a uh, thing like this. And because he was like, if, if, if you cook, you know what to do with these. So basically, <laughs> well, you know, that's and, true. And, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it fascinated me, you know, like, like, uh, you know, fascinated me. And so, and what I did now, I, I look at cooking as like, what needs to get braised? What yeah. needs to get poached? What needs to get sauteed? What needs, you know, what needs to get uh, broiled or, or cooked uh-huh. on the fire? Um, you know, what 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 approach am I taking? You know, how am I going to use? You know, am I going to? You know, so you, so looking at food like that, you know, where now you can just yeah, look at ingredients yeah. and you can. So I mean, I, I feel like I could tell you know help people be unafraid to experiment with cooking. So you you've got you've got a great Vietnamese dish, um, uh, bola lot. Uh, which uh, Vietnamese spice yeah. beef uh, with uh, 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 or or pork with uh, spicy dipping sauce and fragrant rice, but you have you also have these great fusion dishes: uh, lamb and chorizo sausage with fennel, which sounds delicious just in its uh, in itself. Beans and sweet onions in lemon yogurt dressing, uh, and then uh, there's a cool and crunchy uh, Mediterranean feta salad. I can think of few things that that would be satisfying on a warm summer day outside with friends. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see: Japanese black cod, um, North American poached fish and vegetables, smoked trout with watercress, uh, miso poached salmon. My wife was looking at that, and uh, I, I just I, I had to tear her away from the computer. 
Um, be, uh, <laughs> and, and then the, there's this beast because you know we we've done uh, we've done egg dishes for for supper uh, on occasion, bistro dinner omelet, um, which is and and uh, shakshuka. Uh, my wife makes a great shakshuka, uh, but uh, but that's that's a great dinner dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love an omelet for dinner. <laughs> and yeah, shakshuka is like, you know, one of those things when like, somebody made it for me once, and I was just like, wow, where's this been all my life? It's so delicious. <laughs> uh, and then uh, let's see, uh, starters and snacks here. Uh, we've got uh, Frank special smoked uh, trout dip with cumin pickles. And crispy lentil chips. It sounds so delicious. Smoky eggplant pate and non bread. Uh, and and I'll, I'll post links to all of this in the um, uh, in in the notes. Zucchini ricotta maki roll with uh, toasted pine nuts and basil. So you get the crunch and that salty savory of the ricotta, right? Uh, and that wonderful effervescence of the basil, which just sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a that's a that's a fun one. They end up looking like little maki rolls. I got really? that one from Gordon Ramsay. I saw him do, do that. Wow. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wow. Uh, French vanilla bean ice cream. Do you make the ice cream? I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, dessert is kind of, it's funny. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a sweet tooth. So yeah. dessert's kind of like, I'm pulling up the rear there. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to bake. I just started making like a Spanish almond cake and, um, I would beg to differ things, with. But, uh, I would beg to differ with you on that, brother. Scotch apple knuckle sandwich with nut brittle uh, tart apples and scotch drizzle does not sound like amateur hour for, for desserts. That's hardcore, brother. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I like the name of it. Scotch apple knuckle sandwich. Uh -huh. uh, and deconstructed cherry pie in, in a cup. Another uh, Another winner there, man. Yeah, that you know that's that was that's a super easy one. You know, I just get cherries and and uh, hit them, and then you know warm them in the um, in the saute pan, and put the pastry yeah. puff pastry, cut them into squares, and you know pup, do that up, and then just put, you know stick it in there like like a cracker. You know, to eat with the cherry stuff, super easy, but it's delicious. I can tell you, I think I gained about ten pounds just through this conversation alone, man. <laughs> Frank Aral's uh, uh, Frank Aral performs Saturday, May twentieth, uh, at Evanston Space uh, for a, uh, a point dog pondering solo, uh, and at Aurora uh, at the River's Edge Saturday, August twenty sixth. We've already sold two tickets to that man. Uh, point dog pondering's latest <laughs> solid, near perfect album is "Keep on Loving You." The websites are pointdogpondering.com and platetectonics.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for the beautiful questions. I, I like uh, it just so wonderful to, uh, to interview with you. And, and I just love your grasp of, of, of the music and what we've done. It's, it you know, means a lot to me. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much. I, I I've, it. I've been a fan from the beginning and, uh, and I'll continue to be one uh, well, well into my, my golden years, brother. Um, as long as you keep making making music, uh, I will be there. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Frank. And my thanks to Frank Aral. Check out the new Poi Dog Pondering album, Keep On Loving You. And thanks to you for listening. A link to Poi Dog Pondering and Chef Frank are in the notes below. If you like this podcast, 
please feel free to share it and click the subscribe button for notifications on future programs and guests. For Playtime, I'm W.C. Turk. I love you more than you'll ever know It takes time to let it show And if you want to get next to me You gotta be ready and willing to be free